and here in the house of Elrond, more shall be made clear to you, said Aragorn, standing up. He cast his sword upon the table that stood before Elrond, and the blade was in two pieces. Here is the sword that was broken, he said. And who are you, and what have you to do with Minas Tirith, asked Boromir, looking in wonder at the lean face of the ranger and his weather-stained cloak. He is Aragorn, son of Arathorn, said Elrond, and he is descended through many fathers from Isildur, Elendil's son of Minas Tirith. He is the chief of the Dúnedain in the north, and few now are left of that folk. What up, guys? Welcome back to Keep On Tolkien. Welcome back, guys. I'm Danny J. This is Joel N. And we're super excited about today's episode. Yeah. Um, we had recently finished our three-part series on Kingdoms of the Dunedain, and we more or less were using that as a lead-up to, to this. Because we wanted to explain in full context the gravity of this character. And that character, my friends, as you may have figured, is Aragorn Two. Son of Arathorn, too. Also known as Strider. Strider. All right, so Aragorn, right? We may know Aragorn, but really, who is he, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about who he is. Where did he come from? So the main thing is he's the heir of Elendil by way of the line of Isildur. And as we'll learn a little bit later, technically an Aryan as well. He's also the chieftain of the Dúnedain. Uh, he leads the remainder of the men of, from the northern kingdom of Arnor, and he is the 16th chieftain since the fall of Arnor. And what else is he but a leader of men? Aragorn has led men in combat for over 60 years by the time of the War of the Ring. He's fought in Rohan and Gondor, he's fought in Umbar, and he led the Dúnedain in keeping the Shire and Breland safe for years. Yeah, so he's really working behind the scenes. Uh, he's a member in the Council of Elrond. He's also a member of the Fellowship of the Ring. And above all else, he is the rightful High King of both the Northern Kingdoms and the Southern Kingdoms. Because he is the heir of the High King, Elendil himself. Elendil. So Aragorn's one of those characters that's got... A lot of names. A lot of names. So we're he he go... travels a lot. He's all over the place. Yeah, and he's got names... like He's like Gandalf. Like Everyone knows him by a different name. I think he's traveled further than Gandalf. Well... Unless you consider Unless Gandalf's Unless you consider time. the journey from Valinor. Into right. Well, I'm just <laughs> in Middle-earth. Because Gandalf mostly stayed in the West, but right, uh, yeah. Aragorn, as we'll find... He goes everywhere. He goes everywhere. Let's start with Aragorn. Aragorn, in, as, we, as we'll learn, he's Aragorn II. Of the, there's two Aragorns who are chieftains of the Dúnedain. He's named after the, uh, his forefather, who was the fifth chieftain of the Dúnedain. And that name means revered king in Sindarin. He's also known by the name Elisar, which is Quenya for Elfstone. And then there's he also goes by the name Edhelharn, which is the same Elfstone, but in Sindarin. And in the common tongue, simply Elfstone. Some people in Bree call him Longshanks and also Strider. Strider is one of his widely used names as a ranger, specifically in the uh, Breland area. Yeah, he's also known as Telkontar, which... Um, is the name of his house, eventually, which we'll get to in the end. But that actually means Strider in Quenya. He likes the name Strider, so he uses the Quenya translation as the name of his house, which is kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It's and a little he's, ode to the name. Yeah, a little ode to like his past as a, as a ranger. 
Um, yeah, he's also known as Thorngill, which means Eagle of the Star. Thorngill is almost more of an alias than a different name. Right, yeah. It's an altogether, it's when he puts on an act and tries to cover up his lineage. Um, he also sometimes goes by the name Wingfoot. Uh, he's also been called the name Envinyatar, which means the Renewer. And Estel, which is his childhood name, like Yeshua for Jesus, right? I didn't know either of those things. Yeah, isn't that what they called Jesus when he was a kid, Yeshua? I learned oh. something new today, guys. <laughs> 13 years of Catholic school, Joel. Uh, so, yeah, some of it had to seep out. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the early years of Aragorn. Let's, let's get into Aragorn's childhood. So Aragorn was born on March 1st in the Third Age year 2931. He was the son of Arathorn II and Gilrian the Fair. Yeah, and Gilrian means the wandering star in Sindarin. When Aragorn was two in the year 2933, his father, Arathorn II, is killed in, by an orc arrow. Shortly after that, Gilrain takes her son to Rivendell, and Elrond takes him in as a foster son, and gave him the name Estelle, which means hope. So Aragorn and Gilrain lived together in Rivendell for quite some time, actually. Aragorn isn't actually told of his heritage until he's 21 years old. That's the year 2951. Right. Imagine he thinks he's like, it's my 21st, bro. 21 shots. 21 shots. You Here know we what go. I mean? Here we go. Let's get drunk. Talk about finding out about adult <laughs> responsibilities. Yeah, what a shitty 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, when you get older, you're really going to have to take care of these kingdoms. <laughs> yeah, I hope he was really oh, drunk when Elrond. I hope he was really drunk when Elrond told him about it. They were all drunk, too. Elrond's like, you know what? I got something to show you. This is the shards of Narsu, man. These are yours. This is, is, how do you, how'd you get those? These are yours, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so in... It was probably some kind of reveling moment very similar to that. Very similar. That's how exactly how it went down. Yeah, and that's in 2951. And that's when Elrond gives uh, Aragorn the shards of Narsil. And the Ring of Barahir. Our beloved object that we've been keeping track of. Yeah. But he also withholds the scepter of Anuminas, which is the um, the northern kingdom. Didn't They didn't wear crowns. They had a scepter. And that was the scepter of Anuminas. Yeah. And he withheld that from Aragorn until he should come into his right as king. So Aragorn meets Arwen not very much later. Her full name, Arwen Undomniel. Undomniel. Undomniel, the daughter of Elrond. The two fall in love. And Gilrian, Aragorn's mother, notices the change in Aragorn. Uh, she tells him Elrond won't easily give his daughter's hand to any mortal man. And she starts to fear that the line of Isildur is going to end because there won't be any heirs. Uh, she tells him it's his fate to wander in the wild. And at that, I don't know if it's just an angsty moment for Aragorn, but he does just that and he sets out. All right, now we're going to read a little excerpt about, uh, it's a sweet one. It's uh, when Aragorn meets Arwen. For a moment, Aragorn gazed in silence, but fearing that she would pass away and never be seen again, he called to her, crying, Tinuviel, Tinuviel, even as Baron had done in the elder days long ago. Then the maiden turned to him and smiled and said, Who are you, and why do you call me by that name? And he answered, because I believed you to be indeed Luthien Tenuviel, of whom I was singing. But if you are not she, then you walk in her likeness. Oh, How beautiful. Wow. That's really... That's smooth. 
That's real smooth. That's smooth. Oh, man. That's like running up to a girl on the street. Oh, shit. It's Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, oh no. I'm sorry. I thought you were Jennifer Lawrence for a second. I mean, I mean, no offense to Jennifer Lawrence, but how are you comparing Luthien to Jennifer? <laughs> I'm just thinking of somebody that people think is hot. I mean, I don't know. I guess I always imagined Luthien to be just beyond description. No, I mean, she totally is. I was just... No. Making a joke. Unacceptable. Sorry. Unacceptable. All right. So, yeah, after Aragorn falls in love with dearest Arwen, and he has that short conversation with his mother, um, he uh, sets out into the wild and becomes the ranger he was born to be. Yeah, this is when he first starts doing his ranger stuff. He assumes the role as chieftain of the Dunedain, uh, as Dunedain, he joins the other rangers and they guard what is left of the people of the North Kingdom from the threats of the uh, northern Misty Mountains. Yeah, and there's a lot of like old evil shit left over from Angmar up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's evil shit all over the mountains. All over the mountains. And this is when Aragorn picks up the name Strider by the locals. And shortly after that, Aragorn meets Gandalf the Grey in 2956 of the Third Age. And they become really good friends and allies right away and on the advice of gandalf this is when the dunedain begin to keep renewed watch over the region known as the shire where all the hobbits are living so a year or so after that this is when aragorn takes on his alias name known as thorngill yeah the thorngill years that's what it says on the outline (laughs) the thorngill years this is when he takes on his alias and he runs around does all sorts of badass stuff yeah that's from from ta uh 2957 to ta 2980 so it's quite a quite a while he's doing this right 23 years he's just out doing some badass stuff so what has he been doing so he takes on the name thorngill and he served in the armies of both king thangle that's the father of theoden so he's the uh, current king of rohan at the time and he also served in the armies of ecthelion ii the current steward of gondor who is actually denethor's father and the name thorngill by the way fun fact Eagle of the Star. Means Eagle of the Star. And yeah, so during this time while he's serving for these armies, this is when he gains a lot of his experience in combat and leadership because he's leading a lot of these men. Yeah, he's he's essentially become a uh, kind of a rival to the favor of the kings. Like men, the men really uh, gravitate toward him on the battlefield and they look to him for leadership. Yeah, a natural characteristic of the man who is the rightful heir to the throne. He's just a king by birth. Yeah, it's just in his blood. And uh, so, he, yeah, he wrote a lot with the Rohirrim. And, uh, but the, the culmination of the Thorngill years is in TA-2980, when Thorngill led a small fleet of Gondor ships to the rebel province of Umbar. And as we talked about in the last couple episodes, Umbar is a former Numenorean colony populated by the descendants of the Kingsmen who hated the faithful and the Eldar. Yeah, they become later known after the fall of Numenor, they become known as the Black Numenorians because they're Numenorians, but they're assholes. Yeah, and they worship Melkor, and they serve Sauron, and they're dicks. Yeah, so Thorngill and that Gondorian fleet just utterly destroy the Corsairs down there and burn most of their ships. Thorngill actually slew their ruler in single combat. Yeah, on the havens in, in Umbar. Talk about a badass moment. Yeah. Yeah, so after that victory in Umbar, that's 
Thorngill, he refuses to come back to Minas Hunter. Well, yeah, because he's a rock star now. Like, right. The men are like, come back to the city and the king will give you all this and we'll party and you'll be great. Right, and he's trying to keep a low profile. Yeah. So he, yeah, he refuses to go back to Minas Tirith and he abandons the field of battle and travels into the east, never to be heard from again, as Thorngill at least. Yeah, one of the issues that Aragorn faced through a lot, throughout a lot of his life, why he kind of avoided the uh, the throne and, and Gondor, is because of the uh, recent kin strifes that had been going on. and uh, Yeah, which we talked about in the last episode. Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you go back to the last episode, Gondor was just totally ravaged with fighting and kin strifes for a long time. There was like civil war within it with people fighting over who was the ruler. And he really wanted to avoid that because he knew that if Gondor was going to last, they needed to stay united. So he tried to keep a low profile so that there wasn't any like uh, issues or rivalry over who was going to be a ruler. He didn't want to start another civil war. Right, yeah. And he knew that like in this time, like that's the thing about Aragorn is he always knows that unity is more important than who's leading. Right. Like it's it's about what we're doing together as a unit rather than who is leading the unit. So he knows that it's more important for people to stand united against Sauron than who the leader is. Yeah, I wonder if that's uh, that characteristic is something he got from being one of the Rangers because that kind of describes the Rangers. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does describe the the Rangers in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, the Rangers may have a chieftain, but they don't have like a ruling king, really. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's more about what the Rangers do than who the Rangers are, right? As a whole, right. Anyway, off topic. After Aragorn's tenure as Thorngill, he makes his way down to the Forest of Lothlorien later in that year, 2980. Yeah, after he decides not to go back to uh, Minas Tirith, he decides to basically just run over to Lothlorien and, and lay low there for a while. And while he's there, he meets Arwen again. And Kieran and Amroth. Yeah, and this is when he does something that I did not know that Aragorn did. And that's he gives her, the heirloom of his house, my favorite artifact, the Ring of Bear here. So during the War of the Ring, he's not wearing the Ring of Bear here. I never knew that. Was that a proposal in that moment? Yes, and that was that was the um, the sign of betrothal. So like in the movie, they, they change it up with the her jewel that she gives him. Like the Evenstar jewel is kind of like the, the symbol of betrothal. But in the book, it's he gives the ring of bear here to her. That's a pretty badass engagement ring. Holy shit. Yeah. And this gesture is deeply symbolic because the ring goes back from the house of bear here to the house of Finarfin, who uh, Aragorn, or uh, excuse me, Arwen is a descendant of being a daughter of Galadriel. Or uh, being a daughter of Galadriel's daughter. <laughs> excuse me. Right, because Aragorn is ultimately a descendant of bear here. Right. The direct descendant, yeah. So originally the ring was gifted from the house of Finarfin to Barahir as a thanks. Mm-hmm. And now it just made its way back from the house of Barahir to the house of Finarfin again. Yeah, and this ring an is engagement. the ring is always a sign of an oath too. Like it's always like Right. When he's given when uh, Finrod gives it to Barahir, it's I'm going to give uh swear this oath to you that I'll help you out no matter what at any time essentially. <laughs> And then um, he gives it as a sign of his love and commitment as a wedding ring, as a betrothal gift. Wasn't it also used as an oath by one of the kings of the northern kingdom to those northern men? Yeah, it was. Yeah, he said, yeah. Um, uh, as Arvidu- Arvidui, yeah, King Arvidui. Yeah, he was driven up to the wild north areas by the uh, witch show, king. Yeah. yeah, by the witch king. Mm-hmm. And some of the wild northmen up there saved him. And as a gift, he gave them the ring of bear here. And he's mm-hmm. like, this may not amount to much but if you bring it to my people 
Like it's, it's huge. It's yeah. huge. This will do much for you. It was basically an oath of aid to them when they need it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like we said, Arwen she pledges her hand in marriage, and it, in this uh, instance, she also re- uh, renounces her elven lineage and accepts the fate of men. Death. A lot like uh, Luthien Tenuviel did. Yes, exactly. And that's the whole thing about Aragorn and Arwen is like they're Baron and Luthien part two. Basically, yeah. yeah. They're the culmination of the union of elves and men. So a few years later, Gilrian, Aragorn's mother, leaves Rivendell to live alone among her people up in the Eriador region. It's not exactly said where. We don't think that she stayed in any like major settlements or anything. She just kind of went off to live out in a rural area. Yeah, like a hermitage, essentially. She just kind of wanted to live the rest of her days alone. Because she never recovered from the, the death of Arathorn. It was like... Oh, yeah? It was bad for her, yeah. she Yeah, she's constantly sorrowful from that point on. Like, yeah. Pretty sad life. Mm-hmm. And then she's just watching her son, you know, uh, shoulder this huge responsibility. And, like, like it, it all lies on him to, like, continue the line of Isildur and, you know, all this. And She's afraid that it's not going to continue now with Arwen because she doesn't think they're going to be able to have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine she's a little stressed. Yeah. So the years after that is when Aragorn sets out for more ranger adventures. Yeah, and this this uh, little bit of adventures isn't really known in Tolkien. It's just it's kind of briefly mentioned by Aragorn. Yeah, it's just passing. a large chunk of time where he's just out doing his Aragorn Dunedain ranger stuff. And at this time, it's thought that he traveled through the mines of Moria to Harad. Because he mentions having done that. Yes. We know that he does that, and it's thought that this is when he does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he says, I traveled to Harad, where the stars are strange. <laughs> right, that's pretty yeah. far away. Yeah, when your stars are completely different, you know you've gone far. And that's why I think he's gone further than Gandalf has. Because Gandalf generally sticks, like, right around the Middle-Earth region, because, I mean, he's he's trying to stick it with the uh, the Adain that are left. Right, yeah. And, and the elves his, that are there, yeah. dealing with Sauron. Mm-hmm. Sauron wasn't out that way. Yeah, the two blue wizards were the ones that were supposed to go east and south, and... And they disappeared. They disappeared, yeah. Nobody knows what the fuck they did. Aragorn eventually takes a little bit of time out of his adventures after that to go visit Mama up in up in Eriador. Because it's been a while. It's been a while since after he does after he does his unknown adventures. And that's yeah, that's in uh thirty oh six. So the last time he saw her, let's see, what year was that? Last time he saw her was in twenty nine eighty, right? So it's been a while. Yeah, it's been twenty six years, yeah. Yeah. Almost 30 years. Yeah, and at this meeting, um, she's uh, quite somber, and she refers, she references her own death. She's foretelling her own death, essentially. So her and Aragorn, he departs in sadness because he's pretty sure he's never going to see his mom again. Yeah, that's pretty depressing. Mm -hmm. And uh, later in the spring of TA 3007, Gilrayan dies at the age of 100 years old. Exactly. Which is not um, super old for a Dunedain. No. No. And at that, that's pretty hard blow on Aragorn, but he just resumes his role as chieftain of the Dunedain and keeps on going because he's a leader and that's what he does. So a couple of years later, in the year 3009, this is when Gandalf approaches him for the first time with his suspicions of the origin of Bilbo's ring. And this is when he enlists Aragorn to help him hunt down Gollum. The hunt for Gollum begins. Yeah, he travels all over the place. He travels over a lot of uh, Rovanian, and he uses his tracking abilities. He goes through the dead marshes. But 
he did this for what? Didn't didn't we say it was like thirty years? No, eight years. Eight years. I'm sorry. Yeah, from, That's a way off. From thirty oh nine to he eventually captures Gollum in thirty eighteen. So for nine years He's running around Aragorn looking for Gollum. wandered the wilderness looking for Gollum. But eventually he come after he essentially said he almost gave up and he was on his way back to Rivendell or or Eregion or somewhere mm-hmm. around there and he comes across Gollum just by like chance and he finally gets him and they take him over to Thranduil's halls in yeah. northern Mirkwood. And as he said, I was not gentle. He says that to Frodo at one point in the book. I wasn't too gentle. I mean, I wouldn't be either. He's a slimy little Gollum's shit. Gollum's gross, yeah. Beat him up. He deserves it. So while he's in Thranduil's halls, this is when uh, Gandalf questions him. Aragorn lets Gandalf know that he's finally caught up with him and Gandalf stops what he's doing. If you want to know what Gandalf was doing, refer to our uh, episode 16. We talk all about Gandalf. Yes, we do, yeah. And Gandalf gets a lot of information out of him about the ring and a little bit about Mordor, too. Good information. And he essentially gets the information like that the enemy knows, right? He's, right? He essentially finds out what the enemy knows about the ring. Yeah, not only does it more or less confirm his suspicions that the Bilbo's ring is the ring, but he also finds out that now the enemy has also been pursuing the same ring and knows where it is. Right. Yeah. Big reveal. Aragorn helped him find that. And after that, Aragorn returns to the north to keep watch over the Shire because shit is going down over there right now. Right. The ring wraiths are all over the place, and there's spies, and yeah, not good. Got to have the rangers around. On May 1st, uh, 3018 of the Third Age, Aragorn meets Gandalf at Sarnford. Sarnford is like a, it's a river crossing in the north, and um, it's uh, like a ranger camp um, where rangers hang out. And he tells Aragorn and Frodo um, that about Frodo's plan to leave the Shire. Yeah, so this is when Aragorn gets let in on, on what's going on. He knows that they're about to be on the road. Which is also why he is able to recognize Frodo and what's going on while they meet up in Bree. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what happens next on September 29th. So a few months later, um, Aragorn meets Frodo and the Hobbits at the Inn of the Prancing Pony. By total chance. By total chance. And uh, uh, Frodo learns that from Butterbur that he's somebody called Strider. What his right name is, I never heard. But round here... They call him Strider. They call him Strider. So this is when the hobbits reluctantly agree to take him on as their guide. And Frodo only trusts him after he reads Gandalf's letter that Butterbur totally fucking forgot to mail. <laughs> yeah. But finally gets to read. Um, we talked about that in the Gandalf episode. Didn't yeah, we? yeah. 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 That was a, that was a mess. <laughs> fucking Butterbur. But from there, they set out from Bree uh, on September 30th on their way out to Rivendell. And a few days after leaving Bree, the company comes across some strange flashes of light coming from the direction of Amon Sul. It looked like lightning, but there wasn't really thunder. It was was a lot of flashing. A lot of flashing. It was strange. They didn't know at the time, but that was actually Gandalf battling the Nazgul up on the watchtower of Amon Sul, which they would later come to. Yeah, on October 6th, actually, just uh, a week or so later, right? Yeah, September 30th to October 6th. That's uh, exactly a week, isn't it? They were a few days into that week when they saw it, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, so on October 6th, the company decides to camp at Amundsul, which they call Weathertop, and they are attacked by five Nazgul during the night. Frodo is stabbed with the Morgul knife of the Witch King, and Aragorn fights the Nazgul. Uses an awesome torch. Yeah, fire. So from there, Aragorn and the company make it out to Rivendell's 
fast as they can, and that's when we get the flight to the Ford. On October 13th, Aragorn finds a greenstone near the last bridge. It's known, it's the... It's actually called the last bridge. Yeah, it's actually called the last bridge. That's the name of the bridge. But it's because it's the final bridge you have to go over on your way. Into the wild, right? Yeah, out east. Yep. And he takes it as a sign that the bridge is safe to cross. Because they know at this point that there are ring rays everywhere and they're super worried about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he takes it as a sign that there aren't any ring rays on the other side and it's safe to cross. And it turns out that stone was actually left there two days earlier by Glorfindel. By Glorfindel. Because he ran into the Nazgul there and drove them off. Because Glorfindel can do that. The Nazgul are straight afraid of Glorfindel. Right. If you'll remember back to the uh, episodes about Arnor and Gondor that we talked about, Glorfindel actually directly confronts the Witch King. Yeah. And they're they're like enemies. Yeah, so, they do not like each other. Yeah, so the rest of the ring races, I can imagine they don't like Glorfindel very much at all. And if we, yeah, if you uh, remember back from past episodes, Glorfindel's actually an emissary of the Valar themselves sent back. So he's... He's he's like a beefed up elf. Yeah, he's a beefed up elf, but he's a representative of the the gods, really. <laughs> but ultimately, on October twentieth, Frodo crosses the ford. He crosses the river Brunin and finally enters Rivendell. Super wounded, but he gets there. Mm-hmm. And not long after that, that's when we have the Council of Elrond. So the main thing, like we covered the Council of Elrond in two whole episodes, uh, a few episodes back. So check out that if you want to know. Mm-hmm. Literally everything that happens in the, or most of what happens in the uh, in the chapter. The Council of Elrond is such a badass chapter. Yeah, it's it's nerd porn. There, there's so much information there. We're not going to jump into it here. Obviously, we've covered it, but we're going to throw out some some the, badass the, shit that happens with Aragorn. Yeah, the Aragorn related stuff. And at the Council of Elrond, he presents the shards of Narsil and declares his lineage. And he um, he also says that he means to go to Minas Tirith to aid in their struggles against Mordor. That's not something they touched on much in the films. It was more or less he just stood up and said, here I am. Yeah, they didn't... That, that whole original plan to go to Minas Tirith, yeah. Like, well, because the original plan was to bring the ring there too, right? Or at least they considered doing that? They considered doing that, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, here he's actually presenting the shards of Narsil. Yeah. And totally, like, explaining where he comes from. And he also explains the role of the Rangers of the North and the p- struggle they play against Sauron. We got a little excerpt here we're going to read for you. And yet, less thanks we have than you. Travelers scowl at us, and countrymen give us scornful names. Strider I am to one fat man who lives within a day's march of foes that would freeze his heart or lay his little town to ruin if he were not guarded ceaselessly. Yet, we would not have it otherwise. If simple folk are free from care and fear, simple they will be, and we must be secret to keep them so. That has been the task of my kindred, while the years have lengthened and the grass has grown. Yeah, that's a cool quote. Yeah, he was rebuttaling to uh, Boromir. Yeah, because Boromir's whining about how nobody's helping us fight the enemy. And then he stands up and he's like, and yet, I'm a ranger and less thanks we have than you guys down in Gondor. People don't even fucking know that we exist. Yeah, they just give us weird nicknames. Strider, one who strides. Like, <laughs> he strides. That's what we'll call him Strider. Smooth. Smooth. So after the council, uh, while he's still in Rivendell, that's actually when they reforged the sword of Elendil. And it is renamed from Narsil to Anduril. The flame, flame of, of the, the West. West. And they know that Sauron will still fear that blade. Oh, yeah, especially renewed. 
Oh yeah, a dwarven blade upgraded by the elves of of uh, Rivendell. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Yeah, because the 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 blade itself was made by Telkar. Telkar back in the first the, age, yeah. back in the first age, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, his things sort of break. For being for <laughs> Telkar is known as like the best dwarven smith, one of the best smiths period, period yeah. to ever live. But and his stuff is always a uh... multiple multiple of his swords and, and daggers and things break. Yeah, but I mean reforged by the elves by the Noldor, I can only imagine how badass this thing oh, must yeah. be now. Oh yeah, and that brings us into the fellowship because that's right after they uh, end the council and while they're still in Rivendell. This is when we get the Fellowship of the Ring put together. Aragorn agrees to join the company, taking the ring to Mordor. He ultimately plans to go to Minas Tirith with Boromir eventually, though. Um, and the members of the company include Gandalf the Grey, Aragorn, Boromir of Gondor, Frodo Baggins, Samwise Gamgee, Mariadoc Brandybuck, Peregrine Took, Gimli, son of Gloin of the Lonely Mountain, and Legolas of Mirkwood. Son of Thranduil. Yeah, and that's a pretty much a um, a whole representative of the free peoples, right? Yeah, you've got a you've got someone from pretty much everywhere of the the you know the major peoples around mm-hmm. Middle Earth at that time. You even got a Meyer with you, right? Little did they know. And uh, also, they've got that magical number again, nine. That deeply significant number nine to match nine riders, just like the nine ships that Elendil took from Numenor. Just like the nine Zingstones. Or seven. Seven seeing oh, stones. But seven's false. the other number. Seven's another number that's everywhere. Seven sons of Feanor, seven seeing stones. Yeah. Seven. Seven everything. Seven everything. Seven things. So after the development of the Fellowship, they head south for the former realm of Erigion, now called Holland by men. But it was uh, previously uh, an elven area. It was uh, a holdout of the Noldor. Yeah, that back was, during the Second Age. Yeah, back in uh, Eregion, that was where Celebrimbor was uh, lord of. And they, uh, made That's the where rings. the rings of power were made, right? Yeah, in obviously in not Eregion. the one, but the three elven rings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose they did make the the one ring was made in uh, in Mordor, but Sauron came and helped. Yeah, so even the other ones were made in Eregion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other seven and nine. Um, so they make for the pass. Of Karadras. That's the reason for going down there, because there's the Pass of Karadras, which will take them over the Misty Mountains towards where they're trying to go. Right. It's just, it's like the southern pass of the Misty Mountains. There's right. the High Pass, which is uh, the one that Bilbo and, and, and the dwarves took mm-hmm. during uh, The Hobbit. Yeah, it's kind of associated with the Great East Road, isn't it? Yep, yep. And then the southern southern pass is, uh, is Karadras. So while they're trying to go over this pass. Their path is completely cut off by Blizzard, like just totally built up with snow they can't get by. Except for Legolas can walk on the top of the snow. That's right. Dude, I would have been like, if I were Boromir, I'd have been like, you carry the hobbits. Yeah, what, do you, what are we doing here? Because let's look at the math here. <laughs> <laughs> so he, as a person, can stand on top of the snow, right? Right. So by that logic, with a hobbit in his arms, he would only sink a few inches <laughs> into the snow, right? Or maybe a foot. I guess I'm not quite sure how that shit works. But, I, I mean, I maybe he could carry, like, as many hobbits as he could carry, and he'd still walk on top of the snow. Maybe, well, maybe I don't know what the stipulations of snow walking are. So I don't know. Is it elf magic? I don't know. I assumed it had to have been some kind of elf magic. I just think he's, I don't know. Maybe they're really light. Maybe their bones are hollow like But, birds. I mean, the hobbits are light, too. They would have been able to. They've, got, they've even got bigger feet. They would have, <laughs> hobbits would have totally been able to walk on the snow. My current theory. If it was my, a physics thing. My theory is that elf bones are hollow like birds. <laughs> <laughs> That's fact. That, yeah. 
We're going to go ahead and say that's a fact. <laughs> so after not being able to cross the Pass of Caradras due to all of this snow and weather, they face the difficult choice of going through the, the Gap of Rohan, which they know isn't a good idea at this point because... Mm-hmm. That's right by Isengard. That's right by Isengard. That's where Saruman is. And they already know that Saruman has betrayed them. They yep. don't want to go there. Don't want to go there. So they, they face the tough choice of having to go under the mountains through the ancient mines of Moria. The kingdom of Khazadum. Which was, uh, coincidentally, one of the original kingdoms of the dwarves of Durin, which is where... Oh, yeah. Ancient, ancient, ancient kingdom. Yeah, that's where um, Gimli comes from. He's one of the, the Durin yeah, Durin's Durin's folk. Folk, yeah. So this is part of his lineage, and he is not opposed to going there. He actually wants to go there to try to find Balin. Well, because yeah, because the reason why the dwarves were at the Council of Elrond was because they had lost contact with the people that went to reclaim Moria, right? Right, to reclaim Khazad-dûm. So reluctantly, the company decides to take that road through the mines against Aragorn's advice. Aragorn's he didn't want to. Not happy about it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, I do this in full descent. Like we're. I did not want to do this. He's, he outwardly mentions about having been there once before, and he was not eager to ever go back. Go back. Like, why don't you want to go? I was there already once. It was rough. It was rough. And you know, Aragorn's like the most badass mofo around. And you're right. like, if he's like, I don't want to go back there, guys. This guy has led multiple armies and attacks. He's he's a shipmaster too. Like he's gone everywhere, and he's a ranger. He's not afraid of stuff, and he does not want to go back to Moria. No, like that. That's not a good sign. And yeah, that's where we're gonna leave you at for the Aragorn profile part one, guys. Um, we're gonna get into the mines of Moria and the rest of what happens in our next episode. So uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah, guys. Yeah, this Tune has in been, next time, yeah. and let's. Oh, let's because this is going to be epic. Yeah, this has been fun. I like, I love Aragorn. So, and I know a lot of you guys do too. Yeah, so tune in and let's uh, finish hearing about his story. Yeah. All right, guys, that's uh, that's it for us. I'm Danny J. And this is Joel Lynn. Keep on talking, guys. Keep on talking. Aure in Tulaba.